podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the uh, FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And again, another week has passed by. We're here. Uh, I've got uh, Daniel Reinhardt. What up, Finn fans? And Louis Argoni. Hey, doll fans. They've joined me today to... <laughs> I'm going to ask them some questions, and uh, they're going to compete with each other, in a sense. Uh, if they have differing opinions, we'll have a little debate. I'll run a stopwatch, uh, put two minutes on it. If they convince the other one, uh, then they've done their job. We'll see what happens. All right. You ready, Lou? You ready for this? Question number one. (laughs) Why wasn't more made of Sean Payton's $100 million offer that apparently he declined? So I am actually unaware of a $100 million offer that he declined. You're talking about with Miami? Yes. Yeah. This is this last year? Nope. This past offseason. Yeah, okay. So uh, I don't know. I guess enough was not made of it that I had even heard of it. So, oh, it's it's been it's been spoken about. I mean, it's there's been articles written about it. Yeah, I I knew that there was some interest in Peyton, but I didn't yeah. know that there was a hundred million dollar offer on the table. I I don't know why there wasn't made more of it. Uh, Peyton's a Super Bowl winning coach, so anytime you can get a Super Bowl winning coach, it's a boon for your franchise. Um, I I would definitely have welcomed him here. He's one hell of a coach. Uh, I think there probably should have been more made of it. I I wasn't really aware of that type of offer either, Mike. I thought they had tried to sway him. It was either four or five years. I have not seen a definitive number on the on the contract, but uh, you know that I've seen both of those numbers reported. But the hundred million seems to be in everything that's written. I think that with everything that we had going on in regard to you know we've heard the brady situation well this is part of that uh, this yeah. th- this happened right at the same time uh, flores dropped his lawsuit right we had i was going to get to that we had the lawsuit situation and all this other stuff going on i think it was you know somewhere down the line in regard to importance at the time the allegations against the organization i think were the top priority at the time or the top story in regard to the Miami Dolphins, and that's probably why that got kind of swept under the rug to some extent. And, you know, the other reason could be is that there wasn't enough merit involved. I mean, if Peyton turned, you know, he he was, you know, he's taking a leave or he's retiring completely. I don't know what his situation is, but I think that, you know, he wanted some time off. And I think that the Dolphins, if they did in fact make that big an offer, he turned it down immediately. There was no back and forth, and there was no possibility at all involved. And Apparently, it was turned down because of the Flores lawsuit. Uh, you know, they had that thing going with Tom Brady at the same time, and, and that right. all blew up once that uh, lawsuit was dropped. Right. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I said it before, and I'll say it again. 
I mean, anybody who came or was interested in coming to coach the Miami Dolphins at that point had to be out of their minds because of all everything that was going on. I mean, there, you know, is there still a possibility of draft picks taken away and so on and so forth? I suppose. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, so. You know, so I mean, you know, why would you want to take a head coaching job here? and put yourself in, in a bunch of craziness. You know, Peyton can take a job anywhere. So the, as I said before, Mike, I said this as well. You know, Miami wouldn't have been one of my first choices in regard to coming here. Now, with all the off-season transactions, it, they're a lot more appealing at this point than they were at that point. That, that's, that's without question. But back then, no, the Dolphins would not have been at the top of my Well, the word is he was interested. He wa- he wanted to come here, and, okay. and Brady wanted to come here, and then that Flores right. suit happened, and uh, talks never progressed from there. So Flores screwed us, basically. Yeah, that's Brady according, according to the report, yes. Damn it. I mean, what kind of world would it have been with Peyton and Brady here this season? I mean, <laughs> honestly. I mean, obviously, Tua – goes to the bench, you know, and he watches Brady play for a season. And uh, Peyton brings in God only knows what. I mean, it, it would have – this this franchise would have had a whole different look. And I'm, and I'm not so sure I would have liked that look. You know, uh-huh. I, think, I think we're fine where we're at right now. Yeah, because we're at a place where we can go forward. Uh, if you have Brady and Peyton, that's a temporary situation, at least as far as Brady is concerned. So. And there's compensation involved. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yep. I Absolutely. We've talked about Brady in Miami. I hate to see it, but it would have been really weird seeing him in something other than a 12 as well, right? He's he's not coming here and wearing 12. So, what, TB11? Yep. That would have been weird. All right, let's move on. All right. No matter what you think of Tour's potential, why do you think the national media is obsessed with uh, tearing this kid down? <laughs> Two minutes is not enough on this one. I I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, you got to look at his play over the first two years. And, you know, people say, well, you shouldn't compare, you shouldn't compare, but you have to compare. Um, You know, you look at some of the other quarterbacks that have come out and, you know, some of the younger guys have excelled and others haven't. And in those particular cities where they haven't excelled, you've seen them move on from those guys already. Sam Darnold comes to mind and Wentz comes to mind. You know, these are all Trubisky comes to mind. I mean, these are uh, Mayfield. But comes the question to mind. was not do quarterbacks lose their job for lack of performance. The question was, why are, why are the press just grilling this kid? Well, I'm getting to that. I mean, that's the obvious thing. They're comparing him to some of the guys that are excelling like Herbert. Now, you know, secondly, you know, some of the comments that Tua has made, he has publicly come out and admitted to not knowing the playbook in year one when he was named the starter. And that went through the season and he said it after the season, you know, instead of maybe, you know, trying to get that playbook down, you know, over the course of the 10 games or 11 ga- I don't remember how many games he started that first okay, season. He didn't but- say he didn't know the playbook. What he said was he didn't know... All the, you know, the, he didn't know the complete playbook. You follow okay. me? Well, Mike, listen. It's a little bit different. It's a little play on words there. It doesn't make a difference. He wasn't prepared. Let's just leave it at that. Right. Okay. okay. Yep. He wasn't prepared like he should have been. Now, I know he was coming off of injuries and everything, and I get that. But, 
your mental preparation is all on you. And we could talk about, well, it's the coach's job. Yes, it is to an extent. But, you know, when when the teacher teaches you something in the schoolroom and you go home and you don't study, you know, what are you going to do on a test? You're going to fail, right? And that that falls a lot on him. And I think that some of his physical attributes on top of that are the reasons as to why the media is so down and out on this kid. I think all that's fair. I think the Herbert and Burrow comparison is definitely fair. Uh, and everybody's going to look at those two guys who came out the same year and compare them. But I tend to think that there's a different angle here to look at, and that's the Flores angle. So everybody loves Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he was playing really well for our team. And they put Tua in anyway. And then after Tua had the reins, quote-unquote, you seen Flores yanking him out of a couple of games that he didn't actually play very well in. Now he, he deserved I'm to be. I'm not saying that he didn't, and let me let me be clear about that. I am not saying that he didn't. However, the visual and the perception of what is happening with Tua in those moments is this kid is not good enough, and he's not going to be good enough. He's taken over for a quarterback who is leading the team very well. He shouldn't be taking over for the team right now. He should sit. He comes in, he gets yanked out of a couple of ball games, one in Denver and one in Vegas. And the perception from the media and especially fans of other teams is that Tua is not good enough. And it's never gotten better for him in the media since those times. If you remember when he was coming out, he was the golden boy. He had a special on Fox for crying out loud. They did it, they did a whole special on him called Tua. Uh, and and he was going to be uh, an NFL golden boy. At least that was the perception the year that he was coming out. And then he took over for Fitzpatrick. He didn't play super well. He got yanked. Fitzpatrick played better. And the, and the narrative has never changed. Now, he has an opportunity to change the narrative, obviously. And he has he to, had all last season to do to that, Daniel. Better, I mean, obviously. you're going two years back I, right now. No, I understand. But the question is, why are the, the media pounding on him? I think, yes, the comparisons are a part of that. But I also think what happened his rookie season with being yanked and taken over for, for uh, Fitzpatrick are, is a well, part that, of that. Well, Daniel, Daniel, production just throws that out the window. I mean, how many times do you read on the Facebook page about well, Josh Allen's first two seasons were hard. Does anybody even think about I'm that not anymore? Making, yeah, I, I you yeah, know what I'm, I'm saying. Sure I mean, do. it's like, and I'm not nobody making excuses even, for yeah. Tua. So don't, yeah. so don't get it. No, twisted. no, no. I understand that. I, I you know, believe. I'm just saying that to answer the question, you know, in regard to the media, you know, I mean, there's reasons as to why they feel the way they feel about him, and there's a lot of ex-football players that are now in the media that you know that that. Don't necessarily believe in him. Believe in him. There's a lot that do, but there's an awful lot that don't. I mean, I think it's split right down the middle on him at this point as to which way he's going to go. So this is going to be a real interesting season, to say the least. But to shut the media up and to make them believe, he's got to he's got to be much more productive than what he has been. It's simple as that. Yep. Well, we're at uh, five minutes and thirty four seconds, so you both exceeded your two minutes. Let's <laughs> go. You can't shut us up. 
I let you know. I let you, you go. On. Stop I, us, I let Fink. you go on that one because I <laughs> you think can't stop us. Think it needed to, but uh, I didn't hear any ding, 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 buzz, buzz. No, but I, I didn't want to cut you okay. because you were ma- in the middle of making a point, and I didn't want you not to be able to make it. However, you guys got to be aware. You got two minutes, so okay, okay. okay. Listen, make, make your points quick to me, Mike. <laughs> make your points quick, there, buddy. Will McDaniel become the best coach we've had since Don Shula? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel? Yes. <laughs> better than Jimmy Johnson? Better than Dave Wanstatt? Yeah. Better than Nick Saban? Yes. I, Why would you name Dave Wanstatt? <laughs> Wanstead was a turd. Before you start yeah. your timer. Wanstead was a turd. But, uh, yeah, uh, I believe Well, that- if you, I'm, I'm talking playoffs. He got the team in the playoffs more than once. So yeah, Ricky he, Williams got us in yes, the playoffs. Yes, I know all ahead. that. Go ahead. I, oh, no, that, that, that Lamar Smith got us in. Go ahead. I believe McDaniel is going to change what our franchise is about. I just do. I, and maybe it's the homer in me, but I think it he's is. going to bring a, a, an <laughs> entirely <is>. <laughs> different culture, an entirely different respect, and by goodness, an entirely different offense. I've said it multiple times over this off offseason. If we can become just a plain middle-of-the-road offense, give me 15th or 16th in the league, and we're going to be a playoff team. The, the best coach, I mean, you know, he doesn't have an awful lot of competition, Mike, so that's not saying an awful lot. Uh, Sperano did a really good job in a short time, you know, because of the Wildcat. And um, the team was somewhat disciplined on the Flores, you know, those first couple of seasons, uh, penalty-wise. And he had the team playing at a decent level. But I think McDaniel, I, I tend to agree with Daniel. I mean, you know, we've seen head coaches go in one direction or the next, where we had a lot of faith in the guy coming in that came sure. from a good program. And and they the job just didn't get done for one for one reason or another. But I have a lot of faith in this guy, just as Daniel does. I think that, you know, he's got a young frame of mind. I think the team will relate to him. I think that the team on paper, I mean, this is one of the best teams we've had in a long while. And anytime your team is better, obviously it's gonna make your head coach look better. So yep. You look at roster-wise, and this very well may be the best roster we've had in the last 20 years, I mean, man for man. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with Daniel. Okay. Lewis, who will be the opening day starting running back? The opening day starting running back would be Mr. Moser, as far as I'm concerned. I think that, you know, he's, I believe on the depth chart, he's second right now. If he's healthy, if he's healthy. He will be the report came out today that he's saying he's going to be ready for well, training camp. If he's ready, he's the best guy on the roster. Not to take anything away from Edmonds or or Sony Michelle, but or Gaskin, but Mozart is you know if he's a healthy running back, I mean history has proven that the guy is the most productive out of the group, and if he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. I agree. If Mostert is healthy, he's the starter. But I'll put a caveat on that and say I think Edmonds is the most productive this season. Okay. Lewis, do you think Benogany will play in at least six games? <laughs> oh, God. Yikes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, I mean, you got you to gotta assume he's going to, right? I mean, you know, we, we don't have Justin Coleman in camp. As far as that nickelback situation, I mean, you know, He's got it. I mean, you got Needham there, and past him, 
I mean, you got Redwine, you got D'Angelo Ross, you got McKinley. I mean, if he's not playing a lot, Mike, then, you know, I don't want to see him, you know, again after next season. I, goodbye, gone, you know, bust, you're done. I mean, we almost have to have him on this roster playing at a decent level. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say yes, you know, we, we do say him. You know, this is the year that, you know, he makes some progression and, and, he does get some playing time, and he's on the roster for. So six Madison's going to help him, and Sertain is going to help him, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, I mean that that's a positive in itself, but you know, again, I don't care who's coaching you; it doesn't make a difference, Mike. The guy's got to go out there and make plays. So the question is, does he play in six games or more? God, I want to say yes, man. I want to say yes so bad. Uh, for the reasons that Lou did, uh, we need him. We need to see some progression out of him. We have Needham and Jamal Perry and like a Trill Williams, who's a rookie. I'm going to say hell Noah. I, I, I just don't think the kid has it. And I really want to be wrong. I really want the report saying that he's knocking down passes and, and, you know, in shoulder pads and, and socks shorts or whatever the heck was going on is is a positive sign but i just don't think it's going to happen man i i i think he ends up being cut daniel he's 22 yep. and you know that's one of the reasons i feel that you know you, you, you've got to give him you know uh the benefit of the doubt this season i mean you know t- to be in the league at 20 and 21 i mean he's 22 years old and this is his third season so as is, as is austin jackson right Right. Same situation. Yep. Right. You know, um, you know, the, the difference between the two, Mike, is that, you know, Austin Jackson has had a lot of playing time. I mean, a lot of playing time. Yeah. Um, he's had the, you know, he's at. But he uh, had nobody in front of him like uh, Howard and Jones. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Without it, which might, which in my opinion makes it even better for Igbenogany because he can go out. And he can play in nickel and dime packages and learn from those guys. You know, um, the other character that you're talking about got thrown into the mix and, you know, game in and game out. I mean, Mike, he, he went in the opposite direction as far as I'm concerned. Sure. I think he had a worse season last year than he did in, in his rookie season. And that shouldn't be the case. You know, he should be going in the opposite direction. So, you know, whereas Igbenogany, we haven't seen him. So we don't know what he's doing, you know, so, you know, we'll see. Well, I don't like yep. to be wrong, but this is one instance I hope I am. <laughs> yes, I like it. Daniel, where will the Jets finish in the AFC East? Fourth. Come on. Uh, there's no other spot. Number four. Well, you know, one of their linebackers came out today and said they're going to finish above Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they can come out and say anything they want to say. Uh, they're, so, they're not going to beat Miami, and uh, I don't see them beating Buffalo. So would they think they're going to beat Belichick. Zach Wilson-led New York Jets will finish at the bottom of the AFC East this year. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with them. They may. I mean, I can't believe this guy. So this guy came out and said the Jets will finish ahead of us, but not New England or Buffalo. He's saying they're going to challenge for the division. Oh, okay. So. He, they're going to challenge for the division. He didn't necessarily just p- 
pick us among our division and say, "Oh, we're finishing ahead of the Dolphins." That's He's, what he said. No, I seen a I seen a no- notification come across. Mike, my what phone. was his exact quote? Let's I don't have his exact. They're going to challenge for the crown in the AFC East. Yeah. Is what it okay. was, and I seen it, and I giggled, and I swiped the notification away without even reading the story. For All right. he, also, he also said they're going to finish ahead of the Dolphins, so that's that's it. Okay. That, you so know. that's part. T- okay, so he made both comments. Yep. Well, yep. You know, I if they finish ahead of us, it's it's for one reason and one reason only, and I'm not going to go there again. But <laughs> right now, you know, we're a better football team than they are on paper. Um, the only way that, you know, that they, <laughs> they finish ahead of us in the division is if, of course, their quarterback just lights it up and their young guys just have monster they, seasons. Right, that, exactly. They have a ton of youngsters that they brought in this yeah. year, and if those guys yeah. produce right away, then there's a possibility, but that's unlikely. Yeah, they're, they, they need there's, – there's a ton of ifs on that football team. Yep. I, I, I see them finishing fourth just like Daniel does. I yep. don't see them finishing ahead of anybody. With the exception of maybe New Orleans. If the Jets finish above Miami, I will give away this flat-billed autographed Dolphins hat I have hanging on my wall right here to a listener. Okay. I just wrote that down. Good. (laughs) All right. How many starts will Taron Armstead have? 17, baby. All of them. Has he ever started? I don't care. Uh, I think he stays healthy this year. I think he stays healthy this year. He's already questionable. And I don't know how that's even possible. I'm looking <laughs> at a depth chart, and they, they have, <laughs> that's very funny. Well, they have a Q. They have a Q next to his name already. That's so funny. But you know what? I, you know, I think I think that he plays the majority. You know, he may miss a game or two here or there. I think this is the season where you know he he's out there. He plays the full season and we get at least 15 games out of him. You know, he may miss a game or two, but I think for the most part, you know, we, we get the most, I mean, listen, he's 30 years old, but you know, he, I mean, six, five, three Oh four. I mean, this guy is, you know, he's built, you know, he's not no big slug. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, he should be in pretty damn good shape going into this season. Mike, I say, Minimum 15 games. Yeah, and just for the record, you ask me a question like this. If you asked me if Devontae Parker would play every game this season, I would say yes. I am not in the business of forecasting injuries. Let's go, Taron. Yeah. Next question. Did Gaskin or Ahmed make the opening day roster? Gaskin has been ahead of him, you know, for the last couple of years. Um you know, we do have a new coaching staff. They like speed. I think that Ahmed has more speed than Gaskin does. But uh, Gaskin brings a complete game to the table, minus his blocking ability. He's just not very good at that. But neither is Ahmed. I mean, they, they are not good blockers in the backfield. Um, I think Gaskin's got better hands. But Ahmed has the ability to do what maybe this coaching staff likes more. You know, I still give Gaskin the edge simply because he's been the better player, or at least in the eyes of the the coaching staff that has been here, has viewed him as the better running back. So you got to assume that he's going to be the guy. Yeah, this is a difficult one. So this is us assuming that Dokes doesn't make the roster. Is that what we're doing here? Uh, uh, it has nothing to do with Dokes. Okay, so unless you make it, unless you make it, well. You know? I, 
if we had Ahmed and Gaskin both make the roster and Dokes not making the roster, that's five running backs. I, I find it, I think it's going to be difficult to get five running backs on the roster, uh, especially since we're going to be holding the fullback. Correct. Um, I think I lean more with Lou on this one that it would be Gaskin over Ahmed. But uh, I think it's important to say in my eyes, I always thought Ahmed ran up the middle better, ran through tackles in the in the middle of the field better. Um, and we don't have a guy like Dokes. So this is a tough one, but I think I would go with Gaskin as well. He's just been more productive for us, and uh, he's been a leader on this team. So You know, with the amount of guys, Daniel, that we have signed and brought in at the running back position, the three veterans, I, I think that, you know, Dokes is <laughs> – yeah, you know, the writing's on the wall for him. I mean, I agree if, with you. If they felt any kind of confidence in this guy, that hey, this guy could be a really solid player for us, I don't think they're going out and signing three veteran running backs. You know, when you already had two guys that, I mean, Gaskin and Ahmed have been in the league now, you know, two three years themselves. Yeah. So you're talking about five guys ahead of him right now that have NFL experience. That's a lot. I mean, so I don't think they're even thinking about Dokes at this point. And then there's another young yeah, I was running say, back. To be fair, that, we have Zacondre right, White, and right, well. who they, they said like has him, looked apparently. extremely well. Right. So you know, to, Mike, you know what? You may not see either Gaskin or Ahmed on this roster if this kid, you know, passes them up. You know, you may see both of them gone. Who knows? Yeah. Well, that was the question. You yep. Know? Yep. Okay. All right. Well, Jerome Baker make the Pro Bowl, Lewis. Um, he hasn't yet, Mike, so I'm going to say Negator once again. He's getting older. You know, he's a very solid football player, but Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl level hasn't done it yet. Um, I think that he's a very, very solid football player, but, you know, unless a bunch of guys are injured and he gets in, you know, uh, due, due to that, I don't think he is one of the better Pro Bowl linebackers. I think there's guys that are deserving year in and year out ahead of him. And I think it's going to be the same situation this year. He's very solid, but he's not a Pro Bowl player. I agree. I, I think that it would be a no. Uh, you know, Miami doesn't get a lot of uh, hype as far as their, their players go in that regard anyway, typically. Um, and I think that we're going to have enough players on this defense that he would really, really have to stand out to get that kind of recognition. Um, I mean, we've got... Jalen Phillips, who should should make a leap. We've we've got a Melvin Ingram Ingram now. We've got Raquan Davis coming back. We'll get to those so, guys. So I think that the answer <laughs> to that question is no. We'll get to those. Daniel, guys. does Raquan Davis make a bigger impact in 2022? Raquan Davis. So yeah, I was I was heading the same direction you are. I do think he does make a, a larger impact. He was he was playing really well before he got hurt and. He is a run-stuffing animal, and I believe that he will he will improve enough to make a real impact on our defense and not allow us to give up, you know, 100 yards a game. Uh, I think our run defense is going to be much better with him in there. Agreed. That's all I need to say. I mean, yep. I, you know, he touched on everything. We can move on. All right, Lou. Will uh, Christian Mulkins make his first Pro Bowl? Christian Wilkins has a really good shot at making his first Pro Bowl. I mean, I think that, you know, in regard to the position that he plays, this is his year, you know, as far as he's 
He had a great season last year. I mean, four and a half sacks from his position is not a bad situation. It's 49 solo sacks. Uh, I mean, four, 49 solo tackles. Um, you know, you want to see him making more big plays over the course of games, but you know, he he tipped passes and he he was a lot better last year than he has been. And I think he's going to make that step. And I think that, you know, he can compete for a, uh, a Pro Bowl position. Here we go. I'm going to agree with you again, Lou. We really started to see Wilkins come into his own last year. And I think that his leadership role on the team and his continued improvement, he's the guy who's out there doing the worm. Uh, fans love that sort of thing. I think the more they see him make a splash, the more they're going to vote for him. So, yeah, I think he'll make some pro he will make the problem. Yeah, you watch Wilkins, you can tell he loves to play football. Yes. He does. Yep, he does. It's it's his time. All right, we're going to take a time out here and talk about DraftKings. Okay. And then we'll be right back. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 Same Game Parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which teams will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payoff. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, next question. What are the odds of Robert Jones winning a guard spot? Daniel? Ooh, I like it. Uh, I don't know what the odds are per se, but... Uh, if I'm if I'm hearing this correctly, we have a guy named Dieter maybe sliding over to guard. Um, Possibly. I like his chances. He was a very high priority when we brought him in as an undrafted free agent. When I watched him on the field towards the end of last year, I thought he looked really good. I'm really going to be watching him in the preseason to see what he can do. I, Man, trying to put odds on it. Um, I'm going to give it as high as 50-50 right now. Yeah, he's a guy that's kind of been under the radar. Lewis? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to even I'm gonna even boost it up a little bit higher. I think that he's the um, the odds-on favorite to, to win that left guard position. Let's go. I mean, you, look at, you look at Austin Jackson, you look at Dieter, you know, you look at Kinley. <laughs> you know, I think he has a really good shot. I, I'm going to say he's got a three and four chance here, Mike, 75% chance that he's our starting left guard this year. I think that the rest of the offensive line is is pretty much set. I don't know if you have a question going forward in regard to that, um, but you know, I think Eichenberg wins that right tackle position and Hunt is that right guard, Williams at center, and of course Armstead at left tackle. I think Robert Jones winds up winning that left guard position because I just don't like any of the other guys. And I think that, um, you know, I think that he's going to surprise a lot of people. I love it. We're, we're going to yeah. have to really watch how mobile he is this preseason yeah. because his yep. polling is what's going to uh, really 
you know, nail that job for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Daniel, will the Dolphins see ample production from Melvin Ingram? I think they will. I think they will. I think he's going to play. He's going to play a valuable role. I don't expect him to be a starter, but I think he's going to come in and surprise and play the way he did towards the end of last year. So, yeah, I think I think ample production is a, a good way to describe it. Um, I wouldn't be able to put a number on it right now, but um, I, I expect to see him get into the backfield, and I expect him to to play a valuable role for us. You know, he's brought in for one reason and one reason only, basically, right? Um, That's right. <laughs> he, he's going to be he's going to be put in a position to where, you know, he's going to need to get to the quarterback. Um, you know, again, he's up there in age. You know, is he still capable of getting to the quarterback and making some plays here and there? Yeah. I just don't know if in those situations, if we're better off with him, or if we're better off with a Van Ginkel or somebody else in that situation. You know, I just don't know. And, you know, right now I think that Ingram obviously is on the tail end of his career. I think he's here simply because of depth. And I think that when, you know, all the all is said and done and the smoke clears, you know, I think you're going to see him in in certain pass situations, and that's the extent of it. I think Van Ginkel and guys like that are going to be on the field more and, you know, be put in that position more so than Ingram will be. So I think he'll, he'll do okay, but I don't expect an awful lot out of him. I really don't. Okay, next question. Does uh, Jalen Phillips exceed his 10.5 sacks he registered last year? I, yes. I think he's going to be a game wrecker. I think he's going to come in and wreck some, some game plans and – by the end of the year, we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at him as a fantastic first round pick from last year. They have talked him up during camp. Yeah, he's yes, just that- so damn athletic, and he can do so many things that uh, that a lot of these defensive ends can't do at two at six five two sixty six. So I I think he's going to come in and he's going to wreck some people's day. This is a big season for him as well. You know these number one draft picks. You know as fans. And we talked about the media already. They, you know, they expect things out of these guys that, you know, sometimes in their rookie season, you know, they're just not capable of getting to that level. Now, you know, in season two, you want to see a jump. Now, if he jumps from 11 and a half sacks upwards, you know, that's fantastic. That number, you know, that 11 and a half sack number to me, I think he's at ten and a half, isn't he? Ten and a half, whatever it was, it was a quiet ten and a half. And and the reason I I say it that way is simply because you know the last month of the season he just disappeared and he was struggling at the beginning. I mean he had a he had a couple of games span there where he had the majority of his sacks, and then we didn't hear from him. He wasn't grading out well from week to week um, down the stretch, so. Uh, he's got a lot to prove this year, and he is a physical specimen. A specimen, and I think that if he gets to that ten to twelve sack range, and he's more productive in regard to putting pressure on the quarterback, because sometimes it's not just getting there; it's the fact that he's forcing mistakes downfield. That's part of the game as well, and you didn't see enough of that out of him Agreed. last year. So we've got to get a lot more of that situation out of him, the where he's forcing mistakes out of the quarterback. Too many times quarterbacks 
against us, had way too much time to throw the football, and our secondary bailed us some out. footballs. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. All that kind of stuff. So I'm yep. seeing eight and a half for him, and I thought it was ten and a half too. Um, okay, eight and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I mean, I'm going to say somewhere in the 13 to 15 range. I think he wrecks this year. Okay. All right. I hope I hope that's the case. I really do. I'd love to see it. All right. What do you expect from Channing Tindall? Oof. This is for you, Lou. This is your question. No, Dan- Daniel, you were on. Oh, this has been three in a row. Okay, so I don't have any idea what to expect from this young man. <laughs> I, I just don't. Um, there is a lot of uh, a lot of positive energy around his name right now. There's a lot of people hoping he's going to be great. Uh, obviously, he was on a Georgia defense last year that just shook everybody they played. Oh, boy, I don't know what to expect, man. Hopefully he comes in and plays some really valuable minutes. It would be great to see him start for us. That would be ideal. I think he probably has just kind of a middle-of-the-road rookie season. Um, so I'm I'm not going to get too hyped up on him. Uh, I just think he kind of has like a middle-of-the-road rookie season for us. Okay, so... With Tyndale, he's basically got a Landon Roberts in front of him, as far as I'm concerned, and that's the extent of it. Um, you know, his competition, Duke Riley, Guavin, uh, Scarlett, Munson. I mean, these guys are, are all decent special teams players. They filled in at times decently last year. But Tyndale has the ability to, to get into this starting lineup pretty quickly. As far as I'm concerned, the only guy in front of him is a Landon Roberts. And when you look at our starting defense and the guy man to man, as far as I'm concerned, not to, you know, not to take anything away from Roberts, but he's maybe the, the, the worst defensive player we have on the football field, position by position. Just go up and down that, those 11 starters. And, you know, he's probably the guy that you want replaced out of anybody. And I love him. He hits hard. But he's limited, and I think that Tyndale has the the quickest way to a starting position out of pretty much all of our younger players. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair analysis. Uh, looking at the roster, there's just a bunch of guys, you know, just a bunch of Jags, just a guy. So I can see that. I hope that's the case. All right, Lewis, who has more catches, Hill or Waddle? <laughs> It's going to be Waddle. I mean, there. I don't. You know, it's it's interesting because I was thinking about that the other day, and you know, as as explosive as Tyreek is, you know, Waddle. I don't know how they're going to use him, Mike. I mean, that's right. that's the big question mark here. Yep. Um. You know, if it was the same coaching staff, it would be you know a hundred and ten percent Waddle. But I still think that Waddle gets more catches because. Number one, Tua worked with him, obviously. Um, Waddle is, you know, a guy that has proven in that short range, he's going to hold on to everything. And I think there are very, they're going to be very high percentage completion passes thrown his way, more so than to Tyreek Hill. And I think Tyreek's going to get a lot more, uh, you know, a, a lot more, uh, coverage is thrown his way over the course of a game to eliminate the big play, whereas they'll allow Waddle to catch four or five passes on a given drive as long as they're within you know five or six yards of the line of scrimmage. So I think it's Waddle. 
Yeah, I hadn't thought about this question since we actually went and traded for Tyreek Hill. And my initial response would be, well, it's obviously going to be Tyreek Hill. I mean, there's no reason not to feed this guy. But I, I kind of think that your argument is one that if we were having a debate about this, which we kind of are, would sway me to your side. I do think that more coverages are going to be sent at Tyreek Hill. I do think Jalen Waddell has proven himself to be a very reliable target. And we all know that Tua's most accurate passes are the ones close to the line of scrimmage. So I also agree. I think I'm going to go with Waddle, but it pains me to say that because I think Hill needs to be fed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Who appears in more games, Preston Williams or Eric Izukama? Boy, this one's tough. I, well, I said I don't like to forecast injury, right? And right. I I like what I see from Preston Williams for the most, except for last year, he didn't look great. Um, I think Preston Williams will be in more games this year. I think Izakama is much more of a project. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go the same way here. I mean, I was very high on Preston Williams up till last year. Last yep. year he looked. He looked heavy. Yep. He looked like he was out of shape. He was. He said he yep. was. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Mike, I made comment to that, you know, a few times last year. I'm like, looking at him, I'm like, this guy doesn't even look like he's in shape to play football. Well, remember, he, he had a knee injury and he was rehabbing, you know, so right. he gained weight while he was uh, yeah. inactive. Yeah. He, um, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, that has looked really good at times and really bad at other times. Um, you know, he's a comma, you know, he's a project, but with a new coaching staff, you just never know. They brought Preston Williams back for a reason. They must like him. Um, you know, he's a big guy. Both of them are actually. So it, it's tough call, but I would sway towards Preston. And you didn't ask, but I think we see Sherfield more than both. Yeah, that's, you know, t- boy, you're high on that guy. And I'm telling you from now, Daniel, you want to have a debate. I I don't think we're going to see that guy do more than play special teams. So we'll remember this conversation. I'm not saying I'm high on him. I think that he is a a very good role player, and I think that a new staff coming in who knows him needs that. So yeah, I think we see him. Well, so you think we're going to? Well, before we move on, Mike, you think he gets more playing time than either one of the guys Mike just asked us about? I think so. Williams or Izukama. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And Bowden. Well, that's my next person I'm going to bring up. Okay, go ahead. Does Lynn Bowden make the roster? Woof. That's tough. Um, I, You know what? Be- and I keep going back to this new coaching staff. Because of the way they like to use players, he has a legitimate shot at making this roster. Yes, he does. Uh, now, whether he's going to... I don't know, but I that mean, you know, camp. you've got, yeah, you've got, you know, obviously Hill Waddle and Cedric Wilson, you've got those three guys and then everything else is up in the air. But I got to tell you, I like his chances of making this roster simply because I think this coaching staff is going to like what he brings to the table. I agree. Plain and simple. All right. Then you will to acquire the critics. Yes. I think Tua comes out and plays really well. I think he's got the pieces around him to help him do so. 
I think that McDaniel is going to empower him enough. The only question is, is he going to study enough and do the, the homework required? Um, I think the answer is yes. What, what was the question, Mike? The media? Will the Tua quiet the critics? The critics. The critics meaning the fans and the media, I yep. guess, as a whole. Yep. Um, I would say I'm very doubtful because I think that he's going to be I mean, and again, this is my opinion personally. I think that his physical attributes, a lot of other things come into play. I think he's going to be a middle-of-the-road quarterback, and we see what Kirk Cousins and guys like that are going through who have really had some unbelievable seasons in the NFL. The quarterback position is always going to be scrutinized. So Unless this guy comes out and starts playing like the other quarterbacks that were in his rookie class, I, I don't see them. He plays a different. Game. He, he plays a different game. He does, Mike. It's like comparing Greasy to Marino. But people I mean? don't. They don't, Mike. They don't care. It doesn't matter. They don't want to hear that. They just don't. He's always going to be compared to those guys, and it, it's it's unfortunate. And it's sad in that aspect, but he's always going to be compared to these other young quarterbacks, including the guy that plays in our division, Josh Allen, all those type of guys. He's never going to get to that level as far as I'm concerned. So he's always going to have criticism involved. And, um, you know, that's just the way I see it. So I don't know if that was two minutes, but I think that was a very fair analysis. I've said that a couple of times. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change what I said to I believe that he'll play well enough that he should be able to quiet the critics, but that they won't shut up. That, does that work? <laughs> that works. Okay. How many starts will Teddy Bridgewater have? Zero. <laughs> Zero. We do not want Teddy starting. That's not what I asked you. How many will zero. he? Zero. He said okay. zero, Mike. Uh -huh. he, met, he he answered the yeah. question, and then yeah, he, but he said he we don't elaborate. want. <laughs> we oh, we don't want. Well, he threw his own opinion yeah. in. Well, we definitely. I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to go as far as saying we don't want because that's like you know, like smacking Bridgewater in the face, well, and I don't think he's a bad fair. quarterback. We don't want him in because we want Tua to be playing at a level that and we expect healthy. him to be playing at yeah. and that he's and that he's healthy. Now, you know, we're going to have a better offensive line, our better our, a better running game. You know, I don't see him dropping back to pass 40 times a game like he did numerous occasions over his first two seasons. So he should be able to stay somewhat healthy. So to answer your question, Mike, I say that Teddy starts zero. <laughs> no, he starts a couple of games due to some kind of injury. I mean, it's tough to get through 17 games. Two is not a big guy. He's got an injury-prone past. So there's other factors. I mean, you know, I wonder what the Vegas odds on him on him playing 17 games this year. I wonder what they are. I guarantee you that they're they're not very good. So I just you want know. to make sure that I say this. I wasn't saying we don't want Bridgewater to start because I think he's a bucket of recyclables. We, <laughs> we, I, because the same reason you said, Lou, we want to a playing well, yes. and we want our yeah. team in contention for for the division title, not just the playoffs, right. but a division title. 
Yeah, I Teddy's don't, not I don't do see him getting benched. I don't think that will happen. Right. Uh, well, I will say this, Mike. I will say this. I don't think a first-year head coach who really who had no involvement in drafting Tua is going to sit back four, five, six games into the season and throw a season away. I just don't see it. I mean, nobody's you know, gonna, he can put it on himself uh, being he's going to be so involved with the offense. Well, my point is this, is that if, if the offense is doing well and he is not, I would not be shocked if they do pull the plug now, this is five, six. I'm not talking about two games into the season. Right. I'm talking about four, five, six games in to where he's not playing at a level that they want him to be playing at. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked by it, but let's just hope that it doesn't come down to that. You might as well just put Tua in the Josh Rosen camp if that happens because it's over. I agree. I, I agree, too. I mean, listen, we, we've said it a million times. This is a major, major season for Tua because there's no more excuses, right? He should be completely healthy. He's got players around him. He's got an offensive-minded coach. Flores is gone, uh, blah, 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 and uh, blah, blah, blah. That opening schedule is tough, and I doubt he's going to— There gonna, we go. More I, excuses. No, it's not excuses. It's reality. Cincinnati and Buffalo, okay? Those are two damn good football teams. He's got to play well, Mike. Well, he does, but he will. the point is— he may not look as well as he might look against Houston or one of the lesser well, teams. Mike, that goes without saying. I mean, that's that's obvious. So you, you, mean, my point is, you have you have to you know consider facts, okay? And and you, I just don't think you're going to pull him after five games. I don't think you're going to do that. We'll, we'll see. You may pull him after week eight or nine, ten. Well, Mike, if he's not playing at okay, let 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 let's just go back to last year because now me and you are debating instead of me and Dan. How many minutes? Uh-huh. How back. many minutes is this clock? Let's go back to last season, right, in games against lesser opponents where he did not play very well. And I understand your point, but there comes a point where, you know, five, six games into the season, you've got an opportunity to be a really solid football team and a playoff-bound team. You know, you got to start questioning the situation there. You know, he's got to play well against, you know, the, the better teams, but he definitely has to play well against the lesser opponents. And up to this point, he really hasn't done that. I mean, he's had some really lackluster games against some pretty bad teams. So that's what we need to see. And that's yeah, so all we, I want We didn't see. have go, go, go as an offensive coordinator, but they were pretty bad last year. So I'm, yeah, I'm thinking that, that the, the staff is going to be better and they're going to help him more. And uh, As I said at the beginning, no more excuses. Yep. Right. That's well, I'm it. telling you, right. I, that's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to be helped. I don't think he'll be in a position to be benched. Well, we know he's going to be helped. We just got to hope that he excels. That's it. Yep. But, you know, my point is that I don't think this coaching staff is going to have any kind of patience, five, six, seven games, maybe even seven games. I mean, at some point, you know, he's got to prove in these games that he's, you know, that he's playing at a decent level and they're winning football games. Or at least half of them, right? Up to that point, because yep. the schedule's a little tough. All right, go ahead, Michael. <laughs> Does Austin Jackson do a respectable job at right tackle, provided he wins that job? Lou. Go ahead, Daniel. <laughs> I spoke a lot just now. Nah. Nah. <laughs> I'm, uh, He's like, nah. nah. <laughs> I'm, I'm over the Austin Jackson experience. Um, <laughs> I think more so even than Igbenogany, but we can't really cut Austin Jackson. 
Um, I just don't see it happening, man. Like Lou said earlier, he regressed in year two. and We all seen that, right? Uh, and now they have to move him around to guard and to left and right guard and now right tackle. I just don't see it happening, my man. Uh, we have too much talent on the offensive line, and we don't have any more excuses for for them either. So I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't, neither do I. I mean, I think Eichenberg is the better football player. Yes. Um, I think that, you know, Austin Jackson is very young, but I think he's soft. I mean, you know, you – you know, when you look at a guy, and I and I hate saying this, but when you look at a guy and you don't see a tenacity about him playing that offensive line, um, I've got a problem with it. You know, I think Eichenberg is is a, is a is a solid football player. He's going to win that right tackle position. Austin Jackson is going to be a depth piece on this football team, and that's the extent of it. Yep. Does Miami win over ten games? Where did we put the win total at, Lou? Do you remember? I think it I was put them right at, at 10. I put them at close to 10. I would say uh, they're not going to win over 10, Mike. I mean, you said over. I say yes. no. I say no. I agree. Um, every time I get my hopes up thinking they're going to be, you know, top of the division, <laughs> uh, it does not happen. I think 10 is even wishful thinking. Even though we went through the schedule and put W's next to them, I think we were kind of wishful there. If I had to bet, I'd probably, uh, I would definitely say no. All right, guys, that's what we've got. Now, hey, we got through 25, we Mike. We did it. 24. We did it. 20, 20 what? 24. 24. Yeah, buddy. All and right, look, we job, only Daniel. went over on the two questions. I think maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't real strict with the clock. <laughs> well, that's good, Mike. We appreciate that. Your authoritative, your authoritative <laughs> ways. We do not. We do. I don't prefer them. Okay, <laughs> to be honest with you, and I don't think Daniel does either. But we'll accept the fact that you were trying to keep this minimal, and that the listeners don't want to hear us arguing back and forth. As a matter of fact, I think the biggest debate we had, Daniel, was between me and Mike. It wasn't between me and you. It was between <laughs> yep. me and Mike. Yep. He got his two cents involved and, uh, you know, and uh, he didn't play to his rules. Well, let's just let... He went over two minutes himself. Everybody listening, that's a little insight <laughs> to our personal lives where Lou and Mike have the debates. Uh <laughs> This is what I'll, we do every I'll Sunday during that, football season. We're this, used to Lou, it. You, uh, you pronounced authoritative better than you did Tyndall. So that was an impressive uh, feat you had there at the end yeah, of the Nick show. And Nick Wovon and Nick Benogany yeah. and everybody hey, else. Hey, man, who he's tries been nailing Nick Benogany for the last year or so. Yeah, come on. Man. I don't know what come Noah on, did Mike. to deserve that. Sink or out below. Yeah. Mike, listen, I know that you sit there prior to us getting on and you practice these names. I know you do. I know for a fact you do. So don't try to, you know, I get on there cold. I don't know what we're going to talk about. So it's very difficult for me to practice these names. And, um, you know, I'm very lackadaisical when it comes to pronunciation of these names. I'm curious uh, as to how to pronounce this rookie cornerback's name from Texas A&M Commerce. Kadir Kaho? Kahu? I don't know how to pronounce I, that one. What's his we, number? That's we, what we'll call him. We talked about He doesn't this. have a number. <laughs> what happened to the simple names? Yeah. Billy, Billy Kilmore, Bob Greasy. Yeah. You know, there was Warfield. all... Greasy's yeah, not a Paul. simple one. Come on. You don't... 
Paul, Mike. Well, the first names, I mean, some of these first names are over the top. <laughs> I forget about the last names. I mean, some of these first names are over the top. I mean, you know, it's like. Just remember somebody named them. We have fun so, with it. Yeah, I, we do. I, well, I know a lot of people have fun with my pronunciation. I think that they would uh, rather you pronounce their name wrong than call them soft. Austin Jackson. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Woo. Well, hey, guys, you know, I call it as I see yeah, it. True. And until he shows me something different, you know. I, this is another one we'd love to be wrong on, right, Lou? Like, we don't love oh, to be wrong. Oh, there's a ton of guys. All of these yeah. younger guys that, we, that we've drafted over the last yeah. couple of years, Daniel. You know, they have to show us, you know, more than what they have yeah. as number one draft yeah. picks. If they do. All three of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. If they do with the veterans we have, I mean, we're going to have a phenomenal season. I mean, it just it boils down to them. It really does. Yep. Mm-hmm. It really does. We well, really enjoyed this show. Mike? You yeah, did, Thanks huh? for the topics. Let's hope the listeners do. They will. Yes, sir. They will. Uh, all right, guys. With that, uh, we're going to call this done. Excellent. Right. We'll be back next week. All right. Fins up, everybody. Fins up. Fins up, doll fans. Lou, you need to keep it under two minutes, bud. All right. That's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Pigskin podcast network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right. Until next time, be well and take care. Podcast Network.